Why do I see tears of sorrows from your eyes? I heard the beats of your heart with every bump getting louder of regret. Your flesh is taking over before you even realize. Look at your life. Your mind frame has faded away, locked in chains, mocked in shame, locked in pain, stops the way to die is gain, to die is gain. But what do you gain if all you acquired is death? Young soul, please know there is freedom outside the patterns of this world that would lead you to your demise. Rise, for you have been made new. For every atomic atom added to your organs, organized organisms orchestrated by the one who created, he is your creator, claim it. Claim his name that has power. Little faith can move mountains. No longer do you have to cower because he took your fear to the grave. Why are you still afraid? He put a spirit inside you that brings life to the words that you speak. Choose wisely. But understand, without action, those words are dead. Which move will you make? Don't speak it if you really don't believe it. Don't read it if you really don't see it. Don't seek it if you really don't be it. With the whole world going against Christ, which way will you choose for your life? You are the only one who can decide what is the right choice. You better pick before it's too late. Young soul, choose wisely. Yo, yo, yo. How you guys doing? You doing good? Doing good? Sweet. I brought my lunch today, so I'm going to share with you guys. No, just kidding. I brought some props for a story. You guys like story time? Okay, good, 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 good. Well, hey, thanks, brother. This, uh, we're in the series of casual Christianity, as you guys know, which isn't a good thing. It's a good series, but being a casual Christian is not a good thing. Uh, but, uh, I, man, I was, like, really wrestling with what to teach on. I mean, it's like, tonight's going to be about the Bible, and I was like, man, I could do, like, apologetics, like, what are all these facts, how we know the Bible is true, um, maybe I could teach on like how we can read our Bible, like actually like dive into that. But I'm like, you know what? That'd be awesome, but I'm going to wait and I'm going to do that at camp. So if you guys come to camp, yep, it's going to be sweet. So come to the, come to the camp. It's going to be June 16th through the 20th. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be one big party. So hey, so about the Bible, I'm just going to give some fun facts real quick. Here's some facts. It was written in three different languages, Okay. Three, it was written on three different continents. There was 40 authors. There were 788,258 words in this thing. There is 31,102 verses in this. There is 1,189 chapters, and there is 66 books. So this thing literally is like a library in your hand. Isn't that kind of cool? And this is, this is the best fact of them all. You guys might laugh at this. Believe it or not, this is the most stolen book in the world. Isn't that funny? It says, thou shalt not steal, but it's the most stolen book. But if there is a Bible here at the bridge and you guys don't have one, feel free to steal it. I give you, I give you permission. But anyways, okay, story time. 
I'm going to give you some kind of really embarrassing <laughs> facts about myself. So one time when I was younger, my dad was out working in, uh, I lived on a farm, believe it or not. A lot of people think I'm from California. I'm from Nebraska. I was raised on a farm. My dad uh, was out just in the field. We had like cattle. We had cows. We had uh, pigs. Uh, we just had, we had a farm, you know. And we had an electric fence that surrounded all the animals. And I was playing with the end of a shovel one time. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, acting like I'm stabbing people, you know, because I'm a boy. And uh, my dad, he goes, hey, Brian, don't get close to that electric fence because if you touch it, it's going to shock you. And I'm like, okay, you know, and I'm just like, I'm thinking if I just like set it on there like real quick, I think I'll be fine. So what do I do? I didn't listen to my dad. I'm like, uh, you know, like shock myself. So there's one story, okay? There was another time. When my dad was welding, it was like, you know, same farm. My dad was welding, and there's these like little, little pellets or slugs, I think they're called, but they were like glowing hot, and they were like falling down, and my dad's like, don't touch those because they're red hot. You'll burn yourself. And so I'm like, okay. And so then he's like, oh, and those white ones, those are still hot. Don't touch those. And so I was like looking at one. It had been on the ground for a while. I'm like, I think I'm going to try to pick that up. And so I picked it up, and I was like, oh, it burned me. And so I started shaking my hand. I looked down. It was still stuck to my finger. And so it like, kept burning me. I had to like, pick it off. So that's another, another story. Here's another story. All right, Charlie. There you go. Merry Christmas. All right. One time, uh, so I like, loved Batman as a kid. And believe it or not, I used to run around with a cape. If I wouldn't put it on my back, I'd run around the house like this. <laughs> so... Uh, my dad, my mom, like, they told me all the time, don't run around the house with that because you can't see where you're going. You're going to get hurt. Well, one day, I decided not to listen. And so what did I do? Put it over my head, and I was running as fast as I could through the house, fast as I could. And before I knew it, boom, I was flat on my back. And then before I knew it, I was in the ER getting stitches because I had clotheslined myself on the kitchen table. <laughs> like, literally just boom, right? So there's some, there's some embarrassing stories about myself. But man, why do, I, why do I bring these up? Well, hey, man, I heard my dad, I heard my mom, I heard my dad, but I didn't do what they said, and actually it brought harm to my life. Not doing what my dad said brought harm. And it's the same exact way when we listen to our Heavenly Father, but don't actually do what God says. So we need to listen and actually do what God says. So if you guys have your Bibles, got your Bibles? Sweet. Turn to the book of James in the New Testament, book of James. So James is the brother of Jesus. He's pastor of a mega church in Jerusalem, and he's super young. So it's like a liter it's literally Pastor Josh back, back in the day. So this is, yeah, it's Pastor Josh writing to us. And uh, fun fact, this, this church that he was writing to, they were actually dispersed. Like they're from different regions, and they dispersed, and they were all over. So it's kind of like here. Who's from Columbia? Raise your hand. Okay, Columbia, Spring Hill, Thompson Station. Okay, we have any Franklin, Franklin people? Okay, Franklin, a little bit. Okay, what about uh, Kolioka, that far south? Anybody? Okay. I don't know. That's like all the towns I know, literally. I'm serious, <laughs> in the area, because I'm new. But uh, anyway, so James was writing to people who have, you know, dispersed. And after tonight's service, we're all going to disperse. So guys, this is us. He's writing to some casual Christians. And so I think maybe some, some people in here are, are casual Christians. Maybe all of us are in some ways. 
So James is writing to us. James is writing to all of us. So he's dealing with casual Christians. They're dispersed. James is the whole book of James. It's like the bossiest book of the Bible because it's literally James saying, grow up. Hey, Christians, it's time to grow up. It's time to make your faith your own. So we're in James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. It says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So tonight we're talking about the Bible, casual Christianity pertaining to the Bible. Well, here, here's my definition of casual Christian. As you can see, there's no camera, so I guess you can't see. But uh, my Bible is marked up. There's, it's highlighted everywhere. You get close. You can see there's a bunch of notes. See, casual Christianity is marking your Bible, but not letting your Bible mark you. Casual Christianity is marking your Bible, but not letting the Bible mark you. That means that you might have marked all these cool verses, tweeted them out, put them on your Instagram, hung it in your living room. Man, yeah, that looks so good. Oh, yeah, it gives me all the feels. But then you don't live like a Christian. In fact, your life looks very opposite of the Bible. Casual Christianity, marking your Bible, but not letting the Bible mark you. Look back at verse 22. It says, be, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, the Bible doesn't just demand us to listen. It actually demands action. It's not about just hearing the word. It's about doing something about it, living it out. Because when we don't obey, James says we deceive ourselves. How do we deceive ourselves? Because when we read it, we're, we, it's like one in one ear, out the other. It's us saying, I don't need to obey that. I don't need to obey that. In fact, no, that's not me. Surely that's not me. Or maybe it's when we read the Bible and we see, like a, we see a verse and the whole time we're like, oh, man, Susie should really, she really needs to read that verse. And the whole time you're reading your Bible, you're thinking about other people. But James is saying, don't do that. Don't do that. You need to allow it to, you need to allow the, the Bible to examine you, yourself, when you look at it. Uh, when we read the Bible, we need to allow the Bible to examine us. So allow examination. When we read the Bible, we need to allow examination. Verse 23 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So one thing to understand, like the mirrors that we have, I mean, you go in the bathroom here at the church, you look in the mirror, it's, you're going to see like a really true reflection of yourself. But here's the thing, the mirrors back in that time, it was like old, like polished, like bronze or like steel, or like you think of like a, a shield, that's like what they used for their mirrors, which sounds terrible, right? So like you have to understand, like they, to po like polish this, this steel, this bronze, they really had to work it. And then even to be able to like look at it, man, you had to like, you had to really look at your face at it. Kind of like this, you know, like that. But uh, and actually, James is actually talking to a, a man. He's like, you know, because us guys, you guys spend a lot of time in front of the mirror. Yeah. 
You do? Okay, <laughs> that's good. Well, I don't, man. I'm like, quick, you know, nothing on my face. All right, out the door, you know, and I don't have any hair. I don't need to do my hair. But man, girls, women, how many hours have you spent in front of the mirror? Uh, not a lot, a lot. Well, I bet you have. Let's just be honest, right? Right? Okay, but so here James is saying, so James is saying, hey, a man just looks at himself real quick and leaves. But man, back in that time, he's saying, man, when you look in the mirror, it's not just like a quick glance. It's actually, you need to like really look at yourself. You need to really examine yourself. And this is exactly how we're supposed to read the Bible. We don't just, oh, okay, but be doers of the word. Okay, man, that was awesome. Okay, I'm out the door. Or, oh, this checklist. Oh, I got I to gotta read this passage and read the book, and then I'm good to go. Because I'll be honest, there's, there's sometimes in my life where I'm like, oh, I got to read this passage because it's on read the book, and I got to, you know, now the Bible app has these streaks. I got to get a streak, you know. But then by the end of the day, I'm asking myself, man, what did I even read this morning? I can't even remember it. But James is saying, man, you need to examine the Bible. You need to spend time in it. Get close. Lean in and let it examine you. And this is how we need to read it. But we don't like to do that. We don't like to do that. We don't like to read our Bible that way. Why? Why don't we like it? Because it reveals to us things we don't like. For example, I hate looking into the mirror, like when I have a zit on my face. You know, I'm like, man, there's literally times, thinking back, I'm just like, I know there's like a huge zit right here. I won't even look in the mirror because I'm like, I just, I can't even look at my own self. It's just, it's nasty. But hey, every time we look into the Bible, the Bible literally points out spiritual zits in our life. It's like, God's like, there's one. There's another one. There's another one. And we don't like to read our Bible because of that. But man, let me ask you, what are your spiritual zits tonight? It's a weird question, I know. But really, what is it that you guys struggle with that the Bible points out? Maybe it's not listening to your parents. Maybe it's looking at things you shouldn't on the internet. Maybe it's talking bad about people and gossiping. Or maybe it's hatred but what are your spiritual zits? Look into the Bible and allow the Bible to examine you. Because we don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads us. We don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads us. But the Bible points out all of our flaws. So, so what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? We allow examination, and then we allow transformation. Look back down at verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be hashtag blessed in his doing. All right, see, the Bible is perfect. So we just got done explaining that the Bible points out all of our flaws. It's like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. All these spiritual zits, it points it out. But then James goes on and he doesn't say, man, the word of God is terrible, isn't it? No, he says, it brings freedom. It brings liberty. We need to allow the Bible to transform us. It points things out, but it wants to transform us. God wants to transform us. I think uh, this is, this is kind of why uh, God created caterpillars, because we actually see transformation. We see this ugly little worm, you know, like some of them are like green and they look like there's this little alien little bug, you know, it's going to eat you like one second, it's like big old teeth are going to pop out. It's just ugly. You know, but eventually, after it goes in its cocoon, it literally transforms into something else. And that's what the Bible shows us. 
The Bible, it shows us, man, you're filthy, but God wants to transform us into a butterfly. There's something that happens in us, and trans it transforms us into something greater. So we need to allow that. When we transform, we become beautiful. Reminded in Romans 12, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Man, I, I don't like change. I don't know if you guys like change. I, I hate it. I despise it. If I know change is coming, I try to avoid it. We don't like change, but we need to allow the Bible to change us. Okay, we allow examination. We allow transformation. And now we need to allow restoration. So what do we do? What do we need to do to be restored? So we let the, the Bible examine us, and then we need to transform. But, but what do we do to transform? What do we do to become a butterfly, so to speak? Nothing. Nothing. You know why? Because Jesus did everything for us. And so all we need to do is accept the free gift that he has given us through his life, death, and resurrection. It's not about us, oh, man, I got to read my Bible because God's going to be happy. Oh, man, I got to live this certain way. Man, if I, if I don't sin today, oh, man, God's really going to look at me. He's really going to love me. No. If you are a believer, if you accept the free gift of salvation. It doesn't matter if you sin one time in a day or maybe you sin a million times in a day. God still looks at you and says, I love you. I love you. So I just, I kind of wanted to worship through scripture tonight. But uh, so the Bible really just kind of, it's like Snow White. You guys watch that? Anyone ever seen that movie? So the evil witch is, looks into the mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Exactly. You know it. Well, sometimes we, we do that with the Bible. We want to, like, read ourselves into the Bible stories. And so we say, you know, Bible, Bible in my hand. Who's the fairest in the land? You know, we're like, oh, yeah, like, what does the Bible say about me? Like, how do I fit in? But constantly the Bible is looking at us and it's saying, not you. Not you. Because who is the fairest in the land? Jesus. Jesus. He's the one that conquered everything on our behalf. So guys, we're sinful. We need to change. How do we change? We only change through what Christ has done. We accept the gift. Jesus has done it all. So I just wanted to read some scripture. Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. The gift of salvation is for all who believe. John 1:14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus came to die for you. Romans 5:10, for if we were God's enemies and we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? We were God's enemies and now we are his sons and his daughters. Colossians 2, 13 through 14, in you who were dead in your trespasses, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it 
to the cross. God has nailed every sin to the cross. Titus 3, 5, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Allow God's spirit to wash you clean tonight. Zechariah 9, 12, return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore you double God will restore you. Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Our God is a healer. Jeremiah 29.11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Our God gives hope. Psalm 34.18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Our God is near. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Our God gives life. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with, with Christ. God loves you. So what is the overall message of the Bible? You are more sinful than you know. Overall message of the Bible is you are more sinful than you know, but you are more loved than you even imagine. You are more sinful than you know, but you are more loved than you even imagine. See, we were enemies with God, and now we are reconciled to, back to the Father through Christ. And this is what the Bible says. We don't like to read it a lot of times because it tells us where we're wrong. But guys, this is the only hope that the word became flesh and dwelt among us so that we can have life and have life abundantly. So I'm single, I'm 29, but I've had girlfriends before, okay? And I'm gonna close, I'm gonna close with this story. So I had, a, I had a girlfriend, for we dated for like two years, and there was times where, you guys know that like lovey, that lovey feeling where you're like, man, uh, this is awesome, and it's like the honeymoon phase. You guys got boyfriends or girlfriends? Out there, yeah. You guys ever, do you guys write notes to each other? You guys write notes? You do? Okay, well, good. Well, hey, back then we didn't really, you know, we didn't really have, you know, a lot of the, like, texting and, well, we did have Instagram and stuff, but, man, notes were, like, the way to go. So, dated this girl for, like, two years. We were, like, writing notes together. Man, there was times in our relationship, man, I was just like, man, I just, I love my girlfriend so much. And she'd write me a note, and then I'd just be like, oh, man, I remember, you know, I'd go back and read it. I'd put it in, like, a shoebox under my bed, you know, take it out. I'm like, oh, man, like, ah, uh, she loves me. You know, it's like, ah, uh, it feels so good. But, guys, there was times when we would have fights because of something that I did wrong. And there was so many times where I would pull out that shoebox, I'd pull out that note, and I would just read just to be reminded of the love that she had for me. Guys, that's the same with the Bible. This is God's love story to us, that he wrote this for us so that we can have hope and know that he has plans for us, that anytime we sin, anytime we do wrong, we don't have to be afraid to take this in our hand and read it because it's what it's for. It's to remind us that God loves us. It examines us. It can transform us. But guys, it restores us. It restores us.